Thank you for listening to the Koger Center Arts Roundup podcast. Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of the Koger Center Arts Roundup. Our very special guest today is the award-winning Jim Brickman, one of the best-selling solo piano players of our time. The Jim Brickman A Christmas Celebration Tour comes through Columbia on December 19th with a stop right here at the Koger Center for the Arts. Jim, I'm excited you're able to take the time with us today as you're preparing for your tour. Thank you. I, I, I toured for many years uh, as in a support role, um, technical stage management position, and um, I have gotten out of that game, uh, and sometimes I think I miss it, but Sometimes I think as I get older, it is, it's a really tough business. So can we just start by talking about what, what's it like to still be touring? And are you, do you look forward to going out on tours or, um, you know, is it a challenge as you, you know, as the tours rack up? Yeah. I mean, I, I still love to tour and I, I love performing more than anything. And so I try to, to balance it. You know, reminding myself that the the part that I love is worth all the work to get there. Um, but I also feel a little bit like it's like summer camp, um, right? <laughs> right before yes. you go, there's kind of an anticipation of like, oh, I'm gonna be, you know, gone for so long, and did I pack everything? And you know, anxiety. And then in the middle of the tour, you know, when you've hit the stride, you know, you just you're in it and you just love it. And then at the end, it's really hard to leave it. So it's a double-edged sword. Uh, how long are you out on this holiday tour? We go from Thanksgiving to New Year's Eve, so about 30 dates. And uh, how many days, uh, so 30 dates and that's, so what is that? That's like, um, that's not many more than uh, 30 days to squeeze them all in. Yeah. it's. Uh, Couple sh two show days, thirty shows in thirty days, basically. Um, are are you flying? Are you? Or is it all driving? Is it a combination? Uh, it's a combination of flying, driving, and bus. But for the most of the meat of the tour, it's tour bus. Uh, are there places that stand out to you, uh, like at the end of a tour? And is that because of the venue? Is it because of the people? Is it because of the town that you're in? Um, my experience is, is that sometimes I can't remember what the town is like because I was just inside the venue the whole time. Yeah, I mean, I I know so many of these cities so well. Like, I've been to Columbia so many times. Um, in fact, I was just there about a month ago for a benefit for the Lisa Givens Dare to Care uh, Foundation. So, uh, I, you know, I'm very comfortable coming back to a lot of these places. But yes, the venue and the the combination of things all has to be great for it to be a, a great night. You know, the venue has to be beautiful like Koger Center is. Uh, the people are, are excited about going to a show in a place that's so great. Um, you know, sometimes the weather is a factor and the way people are feeling uh, depends how close to Christmas, like we started the tour in California at Thanksgiving time. And, you know, it didn't feel as much like Christmas as it will in Colombia. 
Right. We, the weather has, has turned here and we are it's starting to feel like fall. Um, and uh, the late Thanksgiving, I think, really gets you into the Christmas spirit because Thanksgiving is over and suddenly it's December. Yeah. Uh, so we, we have a lot of nutcrackers, um, which also get people into the holiday spirit. So I think that people will be really ready for the holidays by the time you come to Columbia. Yeah. It's, um, you know, it's become a tradition. And uh, like I said, for so many years that I've been coming there, uh, it feels very comfortable. Uh, can we start way back in time and just talk about how you got into music? Um, I, I read that you started training uh, at five. So have you been, has live music, or you know, playing music been a part of your life since then? Well, playing music has. Uh, I mean, I always loved it. I didn't, I never think of of music, a music career as a choice. I think it's something that either is or isn't. You know, in other words, I I find that uh, people who say things like, well, I can't decide whether to be a lawyer or, a, you know, music, do a music career. And I always say if there's an or, then you shouldn't do it. Because uh, people who really, it's their life, they don't even think about doing anything else. So I never did think about doing something else. It just was what I loved. And I, you know, I just thought, well, that's what I'm going to do. But I was always behind the scenes. I was not desirous of being on stage. I didn't think about what that would be like or how that would uh, end up being. I wasn't in search of an artist career or a performing career. Uh, I, I was a studio musician. I played on jingles. I wrote jingles. I, uh, I, you know, it was more of that for me. And, um, but I was always a songwriter. So I found that unless other people were going to record my songs, that I better, if I ever expect anybody to hear all of them. Uh, was there a particular tipping point for you? Was there an event that uh, caused you to really say, I'm, I want to be a performer on, on the, uh, you know, the face of my music playing it on stage rather than just writing it and being behind the scenes? Well, I had, I had been uh, interested in finding my way into uh, any part of music that would be uh, the right fit. And I was, I was pretty open-minded to it. I mean, so I went, I moved to Los Angeles and just started thinking about whether it was going to be movie scoring or whether it would be, um, you know, commercials or songs. But I, I had decided to go into this recording studio to, um, just play for myself to just, um, record for, for my own purposes, you know, not for any particular reason. And, um, and I think what that did was when I heard back what I played, I thought, you know, this is actually something that, you know, could be that people might listen to it or that people might enjoy this type of solo piano music. And so that's when it sort of hit me that, there was a place for this, but only as a recording artist, I didn't think about that there's, that there would be a performing aspect to it. And I didn't really think past the recording of these songs in the first place. 
your first album, uh, No Words, came out in, was it 1995? Uh, and I feel like the music industry has changed a whole lot since then. What strikes you as the biggest difference between uh, the music industry from the mid to late 90s and where you are today? Well, it, it really has a lot to do with the way people find music. So, you know, touring hasn't changed, but you also have to build a, a fan base and in order to be successful touring. So um, that is one way to do it, but you can't be successful touring if nobody knows who you are. So, um, and you then, know, but the touring also helps you with building the fan base. It does. Uh, and so I started touring very early, but I also had a lot of radio support. So like in Colombia, you know, let's say B106 was this station that brought my music to people. And so when I, so they would play it, they would have me on talking about it. Um, they would support the concerts when I came there. So that was the, the vehicle that the, you know, that took my music to the audience. Uh, so now, uh, um, it, it, people find your music mostly on streaming services. Um, but, and it's wonderful actually for me from a, uh, listener perspective, people find the music in more of a narrow genre. So if they're looking for piano, I might come up, you don't have to look for Jim Brickman in order to be exposed to my music. You could be listening to a, in a, you know, a piano landscapes playlist, or you could be listening to a sleep playlist or a massage and I would come up and then maybe you would discover me. Um, but the challenge is that even though I have 2 billion spins on Pandora, so, you know, that many people are listening but they don't necessarily make the connection with me as a personality or as a performer. You've got a couple of Christmas albums out, and obviously this is a holiday tour. Uh, do people find you through their search for Christmas music? And, and how is doing Christmas music different for you than uh, your, your other album work? So the thing about my music is at Christmas is that it is familiar, melodic, emotional, romantic, all the things that great Christmas music is. And so when you play solo piano of, of you know, Christmas songs, um, it's the kind of music you can hear when you're trimming the tree or you can, you know, it's, it's non-invasive. Uh, it's just, it's, it's a nice soundtrack uh, because it's instrumental. So, um, and over the years, because I started Christmas touring, you know, 22 years ago, it's, uh, you know, it, it builds, the word of mouth builds, the, um, the awareness of the music and what the show is like. And do you enjoy the holiday season? Do you enjoy that uh, people think of you at the holidays and when they think of the holidays, they think of your music? Um, does it hold a special place for you? Are you you know... There are people who I, I know who, who love Christmas, and then there are the Bah Humbug crowd, and I'm assuming you're not in the Bah Humbug crowd. I mean, I, I love it. It's a, it's a natural extension of, of my music. It feels 
like any other time of year when it comes to sharing my music with people. But the difference is that the show itself is is a very lively, um, fam family oriented, um, a lot of lighthearted uh, humor and great, you know, uh, happy moments, but also very tender moments. And so I love that about the holidays. For your tour, do you mix up uh, what you play night after night, or do you stay in, you know, stick with a fairly standard set? Uh, it's it's fairly flexible because we have um, kind of roving cast members and different iterations of the show. But, um, you know, every night we do a live by request. So just by, by nature of the fact that we do that, you get um, to play a lot of things that, you know, different night after night. And... I, I like to go with the flow, and because there's no band, it's me as master of ceremonies, and you know, male and female vocalist and electric violin player. They sort of visit, sing a song, wander in and out. It, it like friends visiting a holiday party. And how? Tell me how the live request works. Do you somebody you you holler out what do you want to hear, and some, somebody raises their hand, or do you do it as you know, people uh, tweet at you before the concert and you choose something. Actually, we do it the old-fashioned way. Um, there's a place in the in our tour program that you, during intermission, you jot down a song that you want to hear, and then we and then we take that stack of of cards from the program and we uh, take them at random on stage. And do you play, so you play more than just one of those requests? Yeah, we do about six or seven, I guess. That, that makes it a really unique and special uh, evening, particularly if you're the one that gets the song picked. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, we, sometimes we do prizes for that or, you know, we just kind of make it up as we go along. But it is a way for people to interact and, um, it's it's also a, a vehicle to have a relationship with the audience that breaks the fourth wall that feels like a, a, a community environment and a and a again like the Christmas party vibe. You've also had several different PBS specials. Uh, how is that different for you than what you do on tour? Um, it's it's exactly the same. It's just they're filming it. So, um, is it one of your regular stops? You you know they're going to film. Do they film multiple nights and edit it together? Uh, no, we we shot those as TV specials. So uh, it's really by theme. So we did one for Disney that we shot at the Magic Kingdom. Um, you know, we did one uh, in Canada. Uh, that had artists from all over the world. Um, I did one uh, in Salt Lake City with, you know, just special, great special guests. Um, we haven't done one in a while, um, but, oh, no, we did the 70s. That's right, the 70s, tribute to the 70s with amazing, all the big stars of the 70s joining me. Um, 
And then not only do you tour, you write your own music, uh, you do these television show uh, specials, but you, you have a radio show. And has that been running consistently since the 90s? Yeah, it's uh, it's in its 22nd year this year. And do you do it from the tour as well? Or do you pre-record those? Or do you just take those that, that time off? How does that work? Uh, we do record on, on the tour. And uh, my cohorts co-stars on the radio show are actually with me on the tour so we and we do a lot of podcasting from the bus and behind the scenes um people love to hear that i have a, my podcast is on pandora so people can listen to my interviews with great artists and our behind the scenes stuff from the tour is there any moment from uh, the radio show that stands out as being particularly unique or exciting to you? you did you land a particular guest after much uh, you know effort? You know, honestly, lately, I feel like that almost every week. <laughs> it's it has become amazing, and it's a it's a tour stop that a lot of people make when they're coming through Cleveland. So you know, it's this wide variety. Uh, I had. Uh, Rob Thomas, um, Johnny Mathis, uh, Steve Perry, uh, Carrie Underwood, Dionne Warwick, Chicago, Dick Van Dyke, um, and Lady Antebellum. And, you know, it's, it's like this unbelievable Trisha Yearwood. Um, you know, it's Bette Midler. Uh, it, like, it just goes on and on. It's amazing. What's the next thing for you? It seems like you're doing everything. Uh, is, is there something that you would be excited to try next? You know, I, I've been working on beginnings of a Broadway show. I've always wanted to do that. And um, I'm doing a lot more singing. So in the 25th anniversary, which is next year, uh, I'm doing an all vocal album where I'm singing all of my hit songs that other people have sung on my albums. So uh, the I'm sort of entering this phase where I'm singing quite a bit more. Um, and, uh, you know, I love to explore different styles of music. I've started a bossa nova record. You know, I, I always think it's important to keep challenging yourself to, to try new things and, you know, but still make sure that the the audience uh you know gets what they expect and want from me and, and yet still growing as an artist do you play other instruments as well as uh, being a world-class piano player and a uh, singer i don't <laughs> it's one I, thing i don't do <laughs> i'm constantly amazed at uh people who i meet uh, particularly because we're here at the university of south carolina and the school of, part of the school of music and the folks at the School of Music seem to play everything. And it, I, it blows my mind when they say, oh, I, I can play all the stringed instruments. And I think, how is that possible? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm always amazed when I, when I write with a songwriter who, you know, will start on guitar, move to piano, go back to, I mean, to me, that's really amazing. Um, but, you know, as a music student, you do, you do take multiple instruments, but I don't play any of them well. But that always amazes me, yeah. When did you uh, start singing? Um, because I always think of you as a piano player, um, and obviously you have a fantastic voice, but w did you did you always consider yourself a singer as well as a pianist? Absolutely not. I, I don't, singing is, does not come 
naturally to me at all. If I if it did, I would have been a singer songwriter. Uh, I you know I'm a songwriter is really what I am. Uh, I just play the piano and sing songs that I wrote is really the the thing. And um, so no, I don't I, I don't love singing. But when I when I sing my own songs the way that they were created, I think they come from a point of view that is, you know, as authentic as you can get from the song because it's the origin. So, uh, but it it you know if I had to choose, there would be no contest between playing and singing. Have you been taking lessons, uh, or is it, is singing something that you've been um, consciously working on over these years? I think I sort of work on it on stage. I, I think, you know, like anything, the more you do it, the better you get at it. And, uh, but I don't sing for fun. Like I, I don't, you know, like let's go to a party and sing or sing karaoke or something. I, I don't, you know, it's, it's pretty much limited to my songs on stage. And I get a lot of pointers from my uh, singing partners, um, but I don't, take lessons it seems like you've had enough people it's it's like the who's who of vocalists so i imagine you've got a lot of fantastic tips over the years <laughs> you know honestly the thing that i notice the most about singers is that a lot of fans think that people just open their mouth and sing and that that there's no real skill you're either born with it or or you're not but Vocalists make, you know, important decisions about phrasing and important decisions about breath control and how to how you want how you want the sound to be made and and uh, that's the thing that amazes me about a great singer. It's it really is a uh, a fascinating thing and um, you know it's an instrument like anything else. When you give someone a song to sing on a recording or even as a part of a live event like this tour, uh, do you give them a lot of pointers as the songwriter uh, or do you let them find the vo voice uh, for the piece themselves? Well, you know, uh, singers approach music differently based on, who, you know, what style they sing. Um, what I've noticed is that in live recording or in live performing, uh, many times if it's somebody new that I haven't worked with before, they tend to try to imitate the recording, which is not really the right approach. You have to kind of make it for yourself. And um, the other thing is because I'm playing, it tends to go in, into a natural direction of the way that I intend for it to be. You know, they're not singing to a track um, they're singing live to the nuances that I'm playing, to the tempo that I'm playing. And so, in a sense, it's crafted by me and brought to life by them. I'm just going to circle back around to your visit to Columbia. So you're coming to the Coger Center for the Arts in Columbia, South Carolina, uh, Thursday, December 19th, as a part of your Christmas celebration tour. Um, if you were to tell folks... Uh, what uh, is, you know, why they should come out and catch this iteration of Jim Brickman in Columbia. What should they be looking for? Why is this concert special? 
Well, I think of it as a, as a complete variety show. It's something that is family-oriented, something for everybody. Um, energy moments with Tracy Silverman on his electric violin, uh, lighthearted moments with my tour guests, uh, singers Ann Cochran and Luke McMaster, um, you know, some really happy songs, but also some tender ones. Uh, a lot of the hits of Mine Like the Gift and Valentine and Love of My Life, but also, you know, great Christmas music. But most of all, a real escape, um, a, a a way to calm yourself down a notch, to to laugh quite a bit, to just take a couple hours out of, out of your day of the chaos and the anxiety and just let yourself be taken away by the music and the laughter and the emotion of the whole thing. And I'd just like to let everyone know that my personal feeling is that uh, it's wonderful to be able to type into your Pandora or Spotify Jim Brickman music and, and have it come up, but there's no substitute for being in the room and, and hearing it live and, and watching you play is a really special treat because it, it seems so easy, uh, like anyone should be able to just toss that off, but um, to, to see professionals in action is super exciting live. Well, and we, we love that too. I mean, there, there's no comparison to listening passively. And that's why it's so important for me to share with people that the energy of the show is, is not at all like massage music. <laughs> uh, you know, it is, it's, it, and that's, I think, why the word of mouth over the years of 22 years of touring, you know, most of the success is the word of mouth from people saying, oh, it was so much fun and I didn't expect it to be like it was. I thought it was going to be like a recital and it isn't. It's much more like a really great variety show. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're on tour right now. Uh, you've probably got to figure out where the theater is this evening. We've been talking with Jim Brickman via Skype. Um, where are you right now, Jim? I'm in Lincoln, Nebraska today. Well, hopefully we'll have warmer weather for you here in Columbia, South Carolina. This has been the Coger Center Arts Roundup. Jim, Br Jim Brickman's A Christmas Celebration comes to the Coger Center for the Arts. Thursday, December 19th, the show is at 7.30 p.m. If you come out, you can fill out the comment card in the program and maybe he'll play one of the songs that you pick uh, as a part of that evening's program. I know I'm going to be thinking ahead of what I'd like to hear you play. Uh, any last words for our listeners before you come to Columbia? Just excited to be there uh, so close to Christmas. It, it's it's going to really be a festive time and, and a beautiful theater where the music comes to life in such a, a, an amazing way. So uh, get ready for a great evening. Thank you so much for your time. We can't wait to host you. Thank you. The Coger Center Arts Roundup is produced in part by Garnet Media Group, the student media partnership at the University of South Carolina. Information about tickets and upcoming events can be found at CogerCenterForTheArts.com, the official website for Coger Center tickets. For more information about Garnet Media Group, visit GarnetMedia.org.